First and foremost, repent. Secondly, the kingdom of God is at hand. (coughs) To really pay attention and to focus on it, we must first look at the end. The kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom and why is it important? Because for us to repent, we must understand what we're repenting from and why we even have to repent for that matter. Because if we look at our own lives, what is the need for the kingdom of heaven? Why is it even important for us? In some sense, let me ask you this. Why does the kingdom of heaven even matter for us in our life? If it doesn't matter to us, then there's no reason for us to repent. If the kingdom of God is nothing, therefore there's no need for anything for us to do. But if we look at our lives, we look at the world around us, are we truly happy? Not really. There's always something more within us. Some will say that yearning within us is driven by power, prestige, and pleasure. Okay. Look at all the great stars, MTV, NFL. Pick and choose any of them. They're millionaires, they're rich, they're powerful, but are they truly happy? Because the kingdom of God is not just a place, a place with an address, a place with a zip code. But when Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand in Matthew, it's referring to what was originally established and meant for you and I. Matthew is writing to a Jewish community And so when he says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, he's not pointing to something in the future, but he's drawing us all the way back to the beginning. He's drawing us all the way back to Genesis. The kingdom of God is at hand is because the kingdom of God is going to be reestablished again the way it was meant to be from the beginning. So from the beginning, Our life, the kingdom that we were meant for, is that Garden of Eden. The garden in which we ourselves are placed in the midst of God. Where we can fully and freely respond to that love of God. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing hindering us from fully loving God. There's nothing that stops us from truly accepting God first and foremost as a friend but secondly to be in relationship with him so now we know what the kingdom of God is what we ourselves are meant for so now we've listened to the first words in which we which is written in the gospels that Jesus preached and said repent The word repent here is not just to change. The word repent here is an actionary word that calls us to do something. Or to put it differently, if we want the kingdom of heaven to be at hand, therefore we must repent. So if we want a world, if we want to live and we want to be in right relationship with God, 
If we want to live a life of love, of peace, of joy, we must repent. This repent here is not, I am afraid of God's punishment, therefore I change. This repent here is the recognition that I need something. My heart, my life, what I am doing now is unfulfilling, is needing of something more, is needing a change in life. To put it in a real-world perspective, when I am unhealthy, when I am overweight, when I am diabetic, when I have high blood pressure, I am not feeling good. I'm not living my life to the fullness. I'm not living life to the best of my abilities. And every time I do something, I am miserable and unhappy. So if I'm going to repent and change, I therefore will change my lifestyle. I will do what I can that will may or may not lead to suffering. Because if I'm overweight, does that mean I can continue to eat my diet of three Whataburgers a day? If I want to be healthy, I then have to reduce my intake of Whataburger. If that's the case, am I going to suffer for it? Yes. Is there good repercussions that are going to come out of it? Yes. Is it going to be easy? No. But at the end of the day, I'm doing it because there's something more. Yes, I want a healthier lifestyle, but in doing so, all of these other things come about. I'm living a life more fully. I have more energy. I'm excited about life because I can do more with family and friends. I, I can get rid of all the pills I have to take to manage all of that. So the life begins to change. So when Jesus invites us to repent, it's for us to recognize the need for God in every bit and every aspect of our life. Think of it like a cup. That cup can only be filled with a certain amount of water. Every time you take a sip out of that cup, it empties itself more and more. But when you take that last sip from that cup, it becomes empty. So what do you do? You can't do anything until you fill it up with an unlimited source. If you fill your life with the pitcher of water, that pitcher will also deplete itself. But when you decide to just turn on your faucet and stick it under the faucet, you know and guarantee that there is going to be water consistently. You're going to be able to refill that water over and over and over. So you won't be thirsty. You won't be lacking in water in your life. That water, my dear brothers and sisters, is our ability to be joyful, our ability to love, our ability to be peaceful in our life. That cup is you and I. We are very limited and finite in what we have and what we can store. When we give away love, when we give away joy, when we live out joy, it depletes what we have within us. 
But until we are renewed, replenished, and re-given again, there's no other place we can get that from. We can plug that into the things of this world and say, yes, this is going to bring me joy. But at the end of the day, it itself will deplete. So when we repent and change of our lives, we constantly are renewed, rejuvenated in that source, in that excitement of love. In that repentance, there's nothing that is going to be ashamed anymore. Because in that repentance, we know of God's love. We recognize God's love. Because in our current state of life, where sin still abides within us, we hear and understand that it's hard for us to live in the light. It's hard for us to connect and relate to God. It's hard for us to see the kingdom of God is at hand. It is hard to see light in the darkness because all we see is the shadows. All we hear are things that don't exist that are not there. So I want to share you a story of a great friend that I met in my uh, time at graduate seminary. Her name was Molly. When I first met her, she was just finishing her first round of chemotherapy. And what I found intriguing and amazing about her was she, I can't remember what the, the cancer was, but it was so aggressive that she had to really go under extensive chemotherapy. But what I found within her was something more to her life. She was always exhausted and tired, but never on her face displayed the exhaustion and tiredness from the chemotherapy. The day after she was done with radiation, she would actually show up to church to pray, to participate in Mass, but most importantly, to serve her community and to, to, to bring God's love, to manifest God's love through her words, her actions, and her deeds. <clears throat> And really, in some sense, for me, it was, an abil- it was being able to recognize and see that she herself manifested what it meant to live and to be in relationship with God. But she made present for me the kingdom of God is at hand. And so she, as we talked, she was in remission for a couple months. And then the last couple of years of her life, she went back, she came, the cancer came back, even more aggressively. So she went again to continue her battle with chemotherapy. But even that, as exhausted and as difficult as chemo can be on a person, she was still joyful. She was still excited. So towards the end of her life, I got to sit down with her and kind of really chit-chat and kind of really work through this whole story of her life to understand where she got all of this. How is she making sense of all of this? Because how can you see the kingdom of God is at hand? How can you be in relationship with God in the midst of all the suffering, in the midst of all this difficulty, in the midst of all these challenging and difficult emotions you're going through? But I've never seen her sad. I've never seen her frustrated. I've never seen her angry at God. 
So I was very curious to figure that out. So as I was sitting with her, she said, every day, whatever God gave me, I know there was a reason. I know there was a purpose. But instead of seeing the darkness, the difficulty in light, I gave thanks to God for that difficulty. Because I knew there was a reason for it. I knew there was something better that I'm going to take out of it. So instead of seeing the darkness of it, she said she found the light of Christ in those moments. And when it was difficult and challenging in the moments of chemo, in the, most, in the moments of her suffering, she would turn and rely on her prayer life. She would turn again to rely on the, on the strength of God, knowing that she couldn't do it herself. Her body was giving up on her. Her body was exhausted. But the only person that could lift her up, that can keep her energized, that can keep her going, is Christ and in Christ himself. So to be able to leave that room after chemotherapy and go to church, to serve the church, to still be there at church after treatment was all because of God was all her opportunity in serving, in loving God every day and every moment of her life. And in her last moments of her life, that didn't stop her. As she was laying in her bed her last couple of months of life, she still brought so much joy to the people she encountered. She brought so much joy to the people that would come to visit her to console her, to give her comfort. Instead of being comforted by people, she was comforting them, letting them know that it's okay. She's ready to pass on and go to see her God, the one she's loved face to face, to really come to witness and experience that. Because every day of her life and every moment of her life has been an experience, a witness, a testimony, but most importantly, her way of living out the kingdom of God here and now. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we begin our ordinary time, this time of reflection, of working on our life as disciples, we begin with the reflection, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. This kingdom of God is a restoration of where we're meant to be and what God has created us for. To be in right relationship with him, to live a life of love with him, to be with him forever, to have that ability to say, Abba, Father. But to be able to experience the kingdom of God, we're reminded that we have to repent. Repenting and recognizing that we ourselves need God. We are not weak in the fact that we don't, can't do anything, incapable of something. But we are needing of strength. We are needing graces to continue on, to be the person that we're called to be. And in recognizing the need for strength, the need for grace, we turn to God and we ask 
and plead that he enters into our life and transforms us. And in doing so, we can continue to pour out, to live the life we're meant to be, a life full of strength, a life full of joy, a life full of grace, a life full of peace. But it begins here and now. It doesn't begin tomorrow. It doesn't begin five weeks from now. It begins today, and it's a lifelong journey. So let us together as a community, as a family, help each other, be each other's brothers and sisters, and be the strength that we need for each other so that we can prepare for the kingdom of heaven. But most importantly, be someone that we can have each other lean on. Be an accountability partner on living out the message of the kingdom of God and helping each other be accountable to living out the message of repentance. Amen.